Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on this new and exciting episode of the Anatomy of Film podcast. I am one of your hosts, Director John. And this is Gabe, and we are here to dissect into the brain, heart, and maybe even the soul of your favorite films. And speaking of favorite films, we are going to review one of my personal favorites, and I was really excited to show this movie to you. Definitely, man. It was a great experience. I'm really glad to do a podcast on this because there's definitely a lot to talk about. I think there's too much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so we'll try to keep it as minimalistic as possible. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I saw this movie in theaters, and I remember when I first watched it, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, um, only because I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Hereditary. Um, but then upon my second viewing and my third viewing, I fell more and more in love with it. I started noticing more little details in the film. And I think this is one of those films that the first time you watch it, you might not like it so much. It might be too weird or too creepy or just too off, so to say. Um, so, like, just quickly, what was your first thought when the movie was done? No, definitely. My my first thought, you know, my experience was a little different. I think I liked it from the get-go because I'm not really too much of a horror fan. You know, I'm not really into horror movies because a lot of them have the typical horror tropes of jump scares, a lot of gore. This one, though, was definitely a different experience for me. When the movie ended, I just thought, you know, it wasn't scary in the sense where, oh, I was fearful, kind of like what you said earlier at one point, that it's not like you can't sleep at night, you know, with, like, the doors closed and the closet doors. It's more fearful in the sense, like, there was a chill down my spine, like, very eerie feelings um, just bestowed upon me. Like, I would never want to experience something like that. Yeah. You know, and it didn't need your typical jump scares. I don't even think there was one in the movie that really, you know, stood out to me. And um, no, it was, it was definitely a frightening experience. It definitely shows you kind of like how humanity can be, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really fucked up thing. Yeah. <laughs> so be before we uh, get into the review of the movie, I'm going to give a little synopsis for you guys, for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Um, a couple, Danny and Christian, are at a crossroads regarding their relationship when disaster strikes Danny's family. Christian, now feeling somewhat forced to remain in the relationship willingly, denies telling Danny that he and his friends are heading to Sweden. After finding out, Danny begrudgingly gets invited by Christian. And their mutual foreign friend, P Pele? <laughs> I think it was Pele. Yep, the Swedish guy. <laughs> the Swedish guy is allowing the group to visit his rural hometown to partake in the midsummer festivities. But what seems like a community of serenity quickly evolves into increasingly violent and bizarre occurrences that will test the relationships amongst the group. Heck yeah, man. And in case of y'all didn't know, it was directed by Ari Aster, who this is, I think, the second film yeah. after Hereditary. And, um, yeah, no, it was definitely, you could definitely get the vibes from Hereditary. For those of you who haven't seen it, don't worry, no spoilers in this one. But you could, you could sense the same direction in, in, in similarity with both films. And I thought it was a really well done movie. Very different too. It's weird because I got the same vibe, but then at the same time, it's a totally different movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that it's very tonally different. Yeah. Um, Hereditary is very dark and moody, whereas... Midsummer is very cheerful, but I, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's the only way I can put it. But uh, so Ari Aster directed it. Uh, the cast includes Florence Pugh. She plays the main character of Danny, and then her her dickhead boyfriend Christian is played by <laughs> Jack Rayner. 
And then Will Poulter, which you will know him as Eyebrows. He is the guy with the eyebrows from, uh, what's that movie called? We're the Millers. Yeah, we, oh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, the road trip comedy movie. <laughs> that no <laughs> one remembers. Very good segue, by the way, <laughs> going from horror to comedy. Um, I mean, he pretty much plays a comedic character in this anyways. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, William Jackson Harper, who plays Josh, you know him from um, the TV show called The, uh, the Good Place. Mm-hmm. And then the Swedish guy, his name is, uh, man, I'm sorry for butchering this, but Belhem Blumgren, he plays Pele, their foreign exchange friend from Sweden. That brought them into the whole experience of what the midsummer holiday really is. Yeah. Not really is. It's not realistically <laughs> like this, guys. Don't worry. You know, people don't celebrate it this way. <laughs> Yeah. But, um... Fuck you, Pelly. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. And I remember the the whole dickhead of a boyfriend. Like, the first sequence that showed him was at a pizza place getting pizza. All of them are high as balls. And I'm just sitting here like, wow, what an asshole. But then I'm like, I kind of low-key relate to him in a way. You know, like, what a bum. You know, living that bum life. But don't we all? And, and, we'll, point, and we'll get to know? that. We'll get, we'll get to, like, being, being relatable characters, even though when they're dickheads. You yeah. Know, which is really cool. Um, I would love to hear your short review and then we will dive into you know the logistics of that review all right go for perfect. it so go for it i'm excited so we'll go with mine and then yeah, yours yeah, right, go for i it. like it all right so guys um bear in mind i came up with this in literally five minutes so i hope it's extravagant <laughs> so my short review is that this is a trip both literal and figuratively that is a great representation of what it's like to go through great loss and trying to gain something to fill to fill that void an intense breakup story that was created to look like if The Sound of Music was a horror movie. Not your typical frightening horror movie, but something more meaningful and sends chill down your spines with all and easy themes that are just demonstrated throughout the whole movie. Nice. Nice. Yeah, oh, thank you. I appreciate God it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> little, little, little snaps, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, my review goes, a visually surreal and appealing film about dying relationships that absolutely nails the true grit of what desperation can feel like, slow and methodical. The contrast of the light and vivid colors against the dark themes give the film an aura that few horror movies can match. And I will probably never head to a dancing field in Sweden in my entire life. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I remember when we were first watching this movie, and as soon as they get to Swit into the whole Midsummer event, I literally asked you, I said, Gabe, oh, what if you saw it? You said, nope, I'm walking out of here. This instant I see something like this. You see, I've encountered enough bad things in my life to know, you know, if I see people acting a little too happy, maybe that's not the place to go. And it was crazy because it wasn't like it was already scary when they arrived there. You could just no. feel the uneasiness with just the way people were acting, dancing around, grouped together, huddled huddle together. I know you mentioned at one point, like, throughout the whole movie, they're just on hallucinogens all the time, you know? Yeah, right. You can kind of see that, you know. <laughs> and I happening. think that's, that's what I go with when I say visually surreal and appealing. I think it's really cool how um, they can capture the essence of hallucinogenic drugs you know mm -hmm. i've never tried shrooms in my life so i guess i can pat myself on the back yeah. for that one <laughs> but, but um you know watching this movie kind of gave me a taste of what that can probably feel like definitely and that's why i say also in mine it's a trip both literal and figuratively because throughout from the beginning to the end you are following the character of denny and you know her evolution from somebody who experienced great loss and at the end i could honestly say gained a lot you know yeah. and 
and figuratively, of course, because <laughs> wow, what an insane ride, man. You know, in our spoiler talk, there's a lot of scenes we got to talk about. <laughs> Too many scenes. Yeah. But what would you say about the story? Story was really great. What I loved about it is, uh, when I first watched it, it, it seemed very detailed, very like very complex in a sense but after watching it it literally made me think wow this was kind of a breakup story yeah. you know as simple as it is and they took that whole concept of like how that relationship ends and basically how danny gains after such a great loss and and put so much detail so much creativity to it that you know and that's what i love and respect about these kind of movies that can do something like that is take a simple concept because you don't need your whole blockbuster you know action killer robots and these great bizarre out of the world set pieces so you to... don't want to watch transmorphers <laughs> oh buddy i hope we never review any of those movies except probably the first one but... no i'm not talking about transformers i'm talking about transmorphers which one is that one i don't know i kind of hope there's no transmorphers <laughs> But, you know, and, and it's very good. It's a very good story because you're, you're following through it. It could be a little slow paced at times, but it is not bad because during that pacing, a lot of character development is being built. A lot of things and themes are being introduced to the audience so they can stay in par with like the story throughout. Yeah. You know, and throughout the whole time, ever since the beginning of the movie, when you see things that are relatable with Danny and your own life, you're cheering from that character from the get-go. I agree. I think that um, I agree with you with the pacing of the film, although I also agree with you that there are some scenes that kind of drag a little too long, um, mostly like the like the lunch scenes where they're all sitting together. They're not bad scenes in any way. Um, I just think that maybe Mr. Astor, he indulged a little bit with himself which is fine i guess but there is sometimes where i was like mm, we can move on a little yeah bit I, I read online also that i think it's up to like the 50 minute mark before they actually get to sweden into the whole midsummer yeah i so. can see that and I, and I really do i i love the slow pace of the movie i think that the way it's written um it gives each of the characters no matter how minor they are it gives them some it gives them a setup for motivation which mm -hmm. that's something about the story i like is that for the most part um a lot of the character motivations seem realistic and relatable in some sense. Um, but what really keeps the movie engaging is, you know, the aesthetic of the cult. And, you know, when you when you're introduced to the to the characters, it's cool because they're like college kids just going through life and they seem like normal college kids. Nothing like a nothing like Friday the thirteenth teenagers oh, or yeah. like extra rowdy, you know, overdone characters. Yeah, exactly. yeah. They I, I love the scene where oh well no spoilers. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But, um, you know, the story, it, it really is well-paced for, for yeah. a two-and-a-half-hour horror film. Mm -hmm. It could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, because even the first jot of note that I wrote down was how the first sequence itself, before it introduces the whole idea of Midsummer, was, like, one of the best first sequences that I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. It was very well done as far as, like, the story, the music, the pacing, and just the way it was shot, too, and you know, so... yeah. Yeah, the, the, the way the story is portrayed through um, dialogue, through frames, through use of the, of the sound and the music, it really, there is a sense of unity. Mm -hmm. Like every, nothing is, nothing is left untouched in this film, which is really cool. Yeah. They, they, even if you don't like the movie, they took 
great care of it. You could tell they definitely put the pieces together. Nothing really ever seems off, I guess, in a technical aspect when it comes to the story. Yeah, I agree. And um, going along with the story, I think that the reason the story was sold so well was the acting. Mm -hmm. I think the acting... Across, you know, most importantly, Florence Pugh as Danny. I know she's the main act, the main character, um, but she really turns in just an A one performance, man. Like, yeah, agreed. So good, agreed. You can feel her hurt from the beginning. Yeah, you know, she is longing for love in the beginning and for for understanding. You could feel that when she experiences loss. You can feel that in multiple forms, you know, yeah. and in different ways. And you could literally feel her throughout. Even if you don't relate to her, you you definitely the way she portrays this character, you definitely have an understanding for what she's going through. You can sympathize with yeah, her. Yeah, def- def- there's really the great. word. Yep. 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 She was looking for love. Yeah. Love lost. Love. Yep. <laughs> love lost, man. But you know, not just not just Florence Pugh, but um, every other actor. Uh, What's his name? The guy who plays Josh, William Jackson Harper. Um, he's like the token black guy of the, of the group. And I, I love it because it's very easy to fall into that trope. Yeah. You know, and especially in a horror film. And I love how not just his character, but all of, all of them, they're portrayed as intelligent, for the most part, down-to-earth college kids who... You know, they like what they do. They like their studies, and they're all about their studies, which yeah. is really neat. Yeah, because they're there, you know, graduating or, I guess, finishing their semester or whatever, and they have to build a thesis, you yeah. know, and they're trying to find that thesis through this midsummer event. So, you know, the the motivation is there. You yeah. know, there's no lack of. These characters aren't just there to be... <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a horror movie. Killed off, you know, just to have them killed <laughs> eventually, off. Yeah, eventually. eventually, you know, they're not just there for that. They're they're there for a purpose, and the purpose is definitely earned. Yeah, yeah, uh, and again, it's the reason it sold so well is because of the acting. Everyone came in, and they turned in the performance that they needed to turn in. Uh, Ari Aster, this is just one other aspect of him being a good director. He knows how to place his characters and mm-hmm. his actors. He knows how to direct them, and, you know... All these like little ticks and things that these actors have, like for example, when Florence Pugh cries, um, it like the cry comes from her stomach. Man. Yeah. I don't know how how to explain it, but it comes from her soul almost. Yeah. And that's just people, that people have the misconception that oh no, I need to have tears in my eyes and that's crying. No, you literally like you yeah. said, it comes from the gut, you know, yeah. and that's how it comes out. Honestly, and yeah, all the characters are good. I guess the only like overdone character for me was Eyebrows. Not even in a bad way. He was just <laughs> yeah, and we'll, and we'll get to that too. But yeah. his acting is just not bad. It's overnotch sometimes. Yeah, but, but it's it wasn't not bad. bad. It I wasn't just, bad. It was just more of like we need to have a comedic actor or character in this movie. Yeah. All right, William, just do your thing yeah, because just... he literally acted the way he does in every single movie. Yep, absolutely. So, um, man, I I have to say that the music in this movie dude music is this is the way a horror movie should be scored absolutely a hundred percent absolutely it is very it's it's funny because even when it tries so it's very disturbing and eerie and even if it tries to be like harmonic you still get the eeriness inside of it too you know yeah it is very harmonious and i i think that's that's what sells it to me personally yeah because it's very beautiful um, it sounds like 
a lady's yodeling in the mountain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With like underscore bass lines. Yeah, boom, little boom, Tweety boom, Birds boom, just boom. flying above, you know. Yeah, and, and I think you you uh, you hit it perfectly how it's like the sound of music, but with horror, like draped in horror. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool, man. I think it's, I, I love how um, Ari Aster went for the route of grabbing music from Sweden mm-hmm. and how he like developed his own horrific sound regarding that beautiful melodic tone that they go for yeah yeah no the music is really good and then one thing i don't remember one thing i do like but i'm not remembering if it was in this movie is like you know a great portrayal of silence as well you know but i'm pretty sure like the music fit perfectly with whatever it needed to be and when there was no music it fitted perfectly for that scene i don't remember if there was any music for one particular scene that we'll talk about in the spoilers as well okay i'll keep a mental note there i mean to be honest with you i think that i i don't know how I don't know how correct this is, but um, I think the score can also include sound effects. Yeah. I think the movie does a really good job oh, of yeah. doing like ambient noise, um, especially when they're all shroomed out of their minds. And there is actually no music playing in those scenes. It's yeah. just you know the birds and the leaves and ambiance and and the and the, the air, the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the wind, the air. Yeah. Um, yeah so I definitely agree, agree with that. And. Joining the score is the cinematography. Oh man, which I'll be I'll be quick because all I need to say about this, the way this movie transitions to their scenes is mind blowing. And it's you know, me as wanting to be a film director is very um inspiring no, for me. You are a film director. <laughs> well, thank you, Gabe. I appreciate it. When I make my debut, guys, I will gladly call myself a film director. But maybe, as of right now, maybe, I'm building my stepping stones. Maybe so. we'll re- we will review your movie on Anatomy of Film. Oh podcast. man, I don't know if I could do that because I'll just talk so much shit about it. Like I feel like every artist does, you know. But man, it's it's very inspiring how the cinematography coincides with like the way the storytelling is like you'll have scenes where you think the scene is continuing but then just a shift of camera angle you know it's like a totally different scene and it works you know it's not like a it's not like a bizarre jump cut which i feel like some movies fall in is like they'll have like a random jump cut in there and it kind of like draws the audience away for a split moment because it kind of like gets them out of place but cinematography was great the coloring the color palette that they had i love the idea of making something like making it look so beautiful throughout. Yeah. Even in even in the very like uneasy scenes, we'll talk about one specifically, like towards the end of yeah, the movie. Yeah, right. strangely beautiful. It, yeah, right? strange. <laughs> it's strangely beautiful, you know. So yeah, I I give props to the cinematographer for this one. Does that mean we're fucked up? A little bit, a little bit. We we see the beauty in everything. All right. I think yeah. that's how we all should be as humans. It's like wow, look at all this gore. But yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> uh yeah, the cinematography it really is great. I think that. A lot of shots are really well composed and they have a lot of hidden meanings in it. And, you know, the more you watch it, you see these frames and you're like, wow, I never noticed that before. And again, it's just the use of great cinematography. They make sure that every frame is filled to the brim with whatever they can get away with the first time. Um, And then the use of like the special effects to give the viewer a sense of someone using the, a, you know, a, a hallucinogenic drug is also really well realized. I think that, again, I've never tried shrooms before. So yeah. watching this film and the way that he places the shots, the way he pans up, um, I, I, it just really gives you like a sense of freedom. I, like, I don't even know how else to explain it other than it just 
you feel like you're there in nature in those scenes. Definitely. And I want to give all the props to the world, to the cinematographer for it, but I'm sorry, Gabe, I'm not going to botch up his name if you would <laughs> gladly do the honors. Uh, he's from Poland. <laughs> um, God dang. We're sorry in advance, but we just got to give you the props because you did outstanding for all this right, one. All right, so it's Powell <laughs> Pogorzelski. Pogorzelski. Powell Pogorzelski. Yep. He also did... Oh, he also did the work for Hereditary. Yeah, I was just reading there that wow. Ari Aster and him are like, you know, tight-knit. They definitely work together very well. And Dude, this is what I mean that we can make our own movies one day. Yeah, <laughs> dead ass, man. Started from the bottom, now we're making Hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, honestly, I, you know, the story, the acting, the score, the cinematography, the themes... Um, it's rolled into one giant egg roll of just beauty. Like, you bite into this egg roll and all the layers. I guess not an egg roll, burrito. Okay, and I every, like burrito. every yeah. layer makes sense. You're like, oh, wow, you know, I usually don't like guac, but it tastes really good in this burrito. Yeah, you start off, you know, <laughs> with the skin of it. All right, you know, it's a typical fajita. You go in until you get to the really juicy meat of it, and you're like, whoa, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> but this is one of those burritos... I know this is impossible, but this is one of those burritos that don't get soggy at the end. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yo, that is, that is dead-ass true, yeah. Come I hope you guys like my analogy of Come on, Chipotle, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, right. I want the midsummer burrito. But anyways, um, would you recommend this movie? Absolutely, guys. Um, I would recommend it. I would recommend watching it more than once because one of the conversations <clears> that I had with Gabe afterwards was mind-blowing how much I actually miss in the movie, even though all my attention was in it, but he told me about little details throughout the movie that kind of clicked in my head, and it made me understand, wow, you know, like, this relates to the other scene, and this is, you know, from the previous scene, so definitely a must-watch, definitely a rewatch <laughs> because you can definitely get, learn something new out of it, and if you're like Gabe over here, get the DVD and the whole collector's <laughs> edition because I am up for that, 100%. <laughs> Were you throwing shade right now? No, not throwing shade, bro. <laughs> Honestly, I, I loved, I let me just, just to veer off the beaten path for a second, I love the uh, director's cut. I haven't watched the director's cut yet. Um, Jasmine will kill me if I, if I oh, watch gotta, it without you her. You gotta wait for her. <laughs> but uh, Loyal man right here, guys. <laughs> Learn from him. Except she watched Wonder Woman without me, but I guess I should be happy about that. That's a that pass, yeah. Because yes, yeah. I heard it wasn't good. But um, the director's cut is so good. It comes with like this really awesome sleeve. And it's a book. It's the size of a book. You can literally put it on a bookshelf next to your, you know, your other books. Um, but I love how when you open it, there's actually an opening by Martin Scorsese in there. Oh. Yeah. And he wow. is just... I mean, if you have an opening by Martin Scorsese... Yeah. That's when you know you've made it. And this is only your second movie. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. crazy. That is crazy. I wonder if Martin Scorsese was like one of Ari Aster's inspirations, you know, to being I can a see film that. director. You I know? can see that. I know Martin Scorsese, he, he delves more into like gang drama, gangster yeah. drama, but he has done Shutter Island. Oh, Yeah. I think that's one of his most underrated. I believe so too. And I love Shutter Island. Yeah. Wow, we should review Shutter Island. We should, man, because I was, you know, I didn't go in with much expectations because Leo DiCaprio, fun fact, is my favorite actor, and that's literally the only reason why I watched it. But after watching it, it yeah, let's make a review, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I Leo DiCaprio. Anyway, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get into that conversation. But, so but... <laughs> we'll get into that one day. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. If you love film and if you're inspired to be a filmmaker, this is a great watch. If you like horror, this is definitely uh, diving into something different than your typical horror movie that I, I feel like horror fans will, will greatly appreciate it. So 
definitely go out there and watch it or stay home and watch it because we're in a pandemic. Yeah, what am I thinking? <laughs> buy, <laughs> buy the Director's Cut Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, I definitely also, as I said earlier in the podcast... Yeah, hell yeah. Recommend 100%. Mm-hmm. I guess it really does does depend on the viewer, obviously. Some people might be a little turned off by the general strangeness of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Don't go. If you're if you're not feeling too happy, don't watch this no. movie. Be in a good mood. You know, be in a positive mood. That so way it can fuck up your day. Yeah, that way it can <laughs> mess you up. In the best way possible, though. But yeah. again, you know, I'm not a horror movie fan, and I think this is definitely... You know, top five horror movies for me. You but know, that, it made me appreciate horror. That's that's what I'm thinking is that even if you're not a fan of horror, this yeah. is a great drama film. This is a great uh, thematic film. You know, this is. I think this can pertain to a lot of different tastes. Yeah. You know? Um, and we all experience breakups. You know, go watch a breakup movie. There you, you go. Know, like, yeah, if you want to have a good cry, go yeah. watch some Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, highly recommend. I know we don't give scores on here, but man, if I this is definitely just A plus in my book. Yeah. For sure. A plus. Um so do you have anything else to say before we start spoiling this? I think we're set. I think for festival. those of you that haven't watched it, you should just stop listening right now and go watch it. That way you can come back for the second part of this, which is the dissection, right? Yes. Yes. Go run. If you haven't seen it, run and watch it. If you're not a fan of horror, run and watch it. I guarantee that even if you don't like it, you will feel something. And I think that's very important for a movie to, to do. You know, mm-hmm. I hate the human centipede, but I also understand the importance <laughs> of it in the horror genre. Oh right? man. I feel like I didn't want my mind messed up. So I didn't have, haven't watched it oh, yet. But man. now that you said that, I think I should. <laughs> oh man. The second one is terrible. But anyways, um, yeah, we're going to dissect right into it. <laughs> add a sound effect here, but yeah. sound effects, dissection, scalpel, yada, yada. Um, so, in this part of the podcast, we're going to do nitpicks and things that we like, don't like, things that we thought were funny or ridiculous, yep. or just, you know, just discussing things, shooting the shit. Um, you start, I want you to start this off. All right, bet. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, like, my first note was the first sequence. I loved it. I loved how in the beginning, you immediately see where this character is. She's all alone. She's going through a situation with her family, particularly her sister, where the sister is kind of crazy. And she doesn't know what to do because she's always acting as if she's suicidal and all that. So she tries to go to her boyfriend, which obviously your significant other you want to rely on. And you can see this dude does not care. So you see how alone she is really because, you know, you could see, I guess she either she doesn't have good relations with her family or she barely keeps in touch with her parents um, themselves. And once you see that, that whole crazy message that... Um, Danny's character receives in regards to her sister not wanting to live anymore turns into the sequence like completely done in one shot with a great score as well showing how the sister commits suicide and takes her parents with her through like an exhaust in the garage like from the car in a garage and you see you know the firefighters coming in slowly going up the stairs all done in one shot transitioning to Danny just crying you know more fully crying boyfriend is there you kind of see just like yeah, slowly just patting the back it's like, hey, there, there. There. It's, okay. it's okay i i just and i also find it funny the scene that we get to uh, get introduced to danny's boyfriend which was the pizza place they're all stoned you know just yeah. getting the munchies and i'm like man what bums but shit i can kind of relate <laughs> in a sense uh, i've been an asshole once or, once or twice in my yeah. life <laughs> yeah honestly i think that uh, uh, that scene that you're saying that you're talking about 
um, which is essentially the intro scene to Danny's family death, right? Mm -hmm. I think that what's the coolest thing about the first 15 minutes of this movie is set in the wintertime. And then the rest of the film is set during the summer. Yeah. And in the wintertime, obviously, it's a moment of sadness. You don't see the sun often. It snows all the time. I love the contrast of the colors, the flashing lights against the um, the white snow. Yep. Um, when they open the garage door and you kind of see the flurries coming in. I mean, really just expert stuff. Like, this is how you set up the mood of a movie. Because I feel like this sets up the themes of the film really good um, visually. Absolutely. Um, and then the, the movie shifts gears and goes into, like, high, summery, floral, vivid colors. But the beginning is very drab, very gray, blue hues. Um, yeah, no, very symbolic, you know, yeah. like you said. And it just caught my attention how they use winter for something like that. Very mm -hmm. cold time for, you know, literally and figuratively for what Danny is feeling in the inside. And great use of transitioning because they didn't have to do the whole like three months later. And you caught me on that too. I said, wait, how long did it pass? And you told me, well, if you notice in the beginning it was winter and now it's all spring and flourishing. It's like, oh, you know. Yeah, very, this is the movie very, that doesn't hold your hands. Yeah, it does not hold it. You've really got to pay attention to it. But um, no, definitely very good. Very good first sequence. One of my favorite aspects of this movie and maybe I'm overreaching a little bit. I just, <laughs> I've watched this movie so many times. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, Danny is very scared of death and like her sister dying or killing herself and killing her family. And of course, when she finds out, she's absolutely just heartbroken. You know, she's in shambles. She can't function, which obviously that's justifiable. Your whole family is dead. Um but I love how as the movie progresses, specifically in the scene where the two elders commit suicide. Oh, yeah. And they jump off a cliff and... <laughs> such a gnarly the, scene. The squelch. <laughs> the squelching. The squelch. <laughs> and um, I, I, I love that entire scene. But I love how from that moment on... And she does have like a little breakdown afterwards. But from that moment on, I feel like there's a certain acceptance and fascination with death that mm -hmm. she has from the moment on. She, I don't think that she fully understands it until the end, like when the transformation happens and she becomes the May Queen. But when that scene happens, everyone, you know, they, the people jump off the cliff, they their heads get smashed in. This is probably the goriest scene in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Um, the old guy jumps off and he jumps legs first, his bones break. Yeah. <laughs> and then they break his head in with a giant hammer. And everyone is like, no. Well, all the normal people are like, no, fuck it, don't jump off. And meanwhile, Danny's like, oh, so this is what it's like. This is, yeah. This yeah. is what death is. Shout out to uh, Ari Aster for your use of uh, head trauma as well. <laughs> Dude, seriously. But, you know, it, it definitely isn't a stretch either what you're saying because I remember prior to this, we had an earlier conversation because sometimes in films, I like to look at how beginning scenes correlate and translate and kind of go full circle into scenes um, later on in the movie or at the end of the movie. And at first when I saw this and I saw this scene, I'm like, I thought it was going to be in relation to, you know, how this whole cult relates to the suicide of the sister and the death of the family. And when I didn't look at, at that, I was kind of lost. But then you explained it to me perfectly. This was just a whole development to Danny's character. And you see her transition from like that moment when she loses her family to how she experiences death later on in the movies yeah and acceptance and then she gains her new family yep you yep. know when she learns to accept the idea of death and 
um, you know, giving yourself up to the world or the universe or whatever, whatever this cult believes in. Um, I think she was a, a person who was just very vulnerable. And I mm-hmm. think that's the reason why they were able to just be like, yo, just join us. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know, and the great use of like, you know, cheering on for a character, like you feel like she's trapped throughout the whole movie because at the end she lost the only family she had. So the only person she could look to was her boyfriend, which, you know, and he's a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, and you're like, dang man, like you're kind of just stuck with him. You know, you're going on a trip with him and his friends, but Honestly, it's all alone because he clearly does not care for you to be there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I love the scene where he where he forgets her birthday. Oh my god. He like he like brings out the cake and he's like, Happy birthday. Yeah. And she's like, What? Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't that given to him by like the Swedish yeah, guy? Yeah, the Swedish guy was like, yeah. Hey yo, I know I'm trying to hit on your girl, but it was yeah. her birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was her birthday, just letting you know. FYI. Yeah. And I love how he's like, fuck as he's trying to light yeah. the candle. <laughs> So it's like, you moment. thought I forget, but here you go. <laughs> Here's a fucking wow, muffin. Man. It's not even a cupcake. Great <laughs> acting, sucking at acting, too. <laughs> yeah, right? Wow, I never thought of that. Yeah, you know. Great sucky acting. Yeah, man. He was so good at acting that he was able to portray how much of a shitty boyfriend yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> I love, um, I love the motives of the characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that for the most part, they are very, very believable characters. Um... Josh, which is William Harper, he's a uh, an anthropologist. Is that what it is? Oh yeah, the study of culture and their evolution, anthropology. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that for the most part they all study that because yep. that's why they're all going to Sweden together. Um, and I think that you know I remember you saying like, or I've read online. I don't even remember if you said this, but you're online. I've read. I heard people say like, oh, I hate how all these horrific things are happening and these dumb characters don't want to leave. And oh, I'm yeah, I did say that to you. I'm like, okay, they just saw people jump off a cliff. Oh, so you did say suicide. <laughs> why aren't they running away? I don't get it, but yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, why aren't they running away? You know, they're so stupid. And it's like, no, this is their career. Mm-hmm. This is what they... This is equivalent to an actor catching a break in something. Yeah. Because they are studying anthropology they are witnessing a cult from the inside and they are witnessing um, sacrifices that obviously the rest of the world don't know. Mm-hmm. And the cult was like, okay, you can write about it, but you just can't give us give locations. You can't use real names. Um, so of course, as an anthropology student, you see this happening and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This is a gold mine. Like I can write a paper off of this and I will... I, I don't ever have to write another paper again. <laughs> yeah, because what we look at is like something terrible. You know, other cultures can look at the same when we eat our hamburgers. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just killing animals. So it definitely makes sense where they're coming from. Because again, yeah, it's weird, strange, very uneasy and frightening. But it doesn't come off as evil or malicious, you know, which is like the yeah. sense of like real horror. Yeah. You know, and that's what makes it so uneasy about it, too. It's like these guys, these, you know, this cult that they're, uh, you know, that they're experiencing is not coming off as, like, this evil, evil cult. This is their way of life, yeah. you know, that they've been living for generations. I think that because, you know, we're, we're from the West, it breaches our personal beliefs in, I guess, human rules, mm-hmm. you know. The idea of killing someone is just a big no-no for most people. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, the way that this cult explains it, like, you know, we don't go past the age of like, I don't know, 65 or something. I think it was 72. 72. Um, you might be right, though. <laughs> I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the fact that they're like, we don't go past this age because we don't want to die sick and alone and, you know, not not being able to even move to go to the bathroom to, by ourselves and, yeah. you know, all that kind of shit. Because what if we're the freaks that just drop off our grandparents at some nursery exactly. home for them to just rot the rest of their lives? And that's what there. they say, too. They're like, you, yeah. you people set your elder elderly in homes, but we willingly give our lives for mm-hmm. this, you know? And... Do I believe in that? No, I don't really believe in sacrificing old people. But at the same time, you can kind of be like, oh, wow, you know, in some ways, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I guess this movie is equivalent to, like, Cards Against Humanity, because you'll see who the, who's the most fucked up in yeah, your Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What are some things you didn't like about this movie? Um, hmm. Do you, do you mind if I say one thing I like first before I get to that? Because oh, yeah. there's one thing in my head in particular what i love what one of the main things i love is that they don't need to show any slasher or gut-wrenching scenes when the killings are happening yeah it's all off screen most of them are off screen. most of them yeah most of them are off screen and you know it's like you don't need that for this movie and i feel like it makes it even more frightening when you're unaware and unable to see because when you're seeing it's like okay this is happening yeah that's that's freaking me out and it's horrible but when you're not seeing it, it's like, what is actually happening? How is this happening? And, you know, you it was crazy how, like, some of the details that I missed that you pointed out was, like, after the killings, you notice, like, how certain characters look differently. You yeah. Know, like, when they took eyebrows, when they <laughs> finally took eyebrows away. <laughs> I feel like you're counting down the minutes, like, all right. It has to happen at any moment yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene, though, when the girl takes him away. She's like, come, I, I'll show you. And he's like... All right, guys, later, she's going to show me. <laughs> and he like, does this little wiggle and walks away. And he just runs away with yeah. the girl who he thinks he's going to have sex with. But, yeah, you're right, because when they show her again, she has scratch marks on her mm-hmm. face, you know? You know, showing that he was trying to fight it. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool, man. I do love that, the small details and the foreshadowing and love that shit. Yeah, and then to go off of the dislike, I guess I kind of dislike that character of eyebrows, you know? <laughs> yeah, he definitely could have used a little less he, screen time. He was the only one there that just wanted to get high the entire time, and we get it, you know, after the first couple of times, yeah, you want to get high, but then after like the fifth or sixth time, alright, get him out of here, you know? Yeah, I. <laughs> one of my favorite things of his character is in the beginning when they first go to um, the little town, and <laughs> The first thing he does is pull out his vape and he starts smoking his vape. And I'm just thinking, what a douchey thing to do. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, you can vape. I don't care if you vape. But if you're, like, in a community like this, don't you think that you should maybe ask permission first if you can do some shit like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was just very... He's He just seems like a very intrusive and just kind of dumb character. Yep. Which kind of sucks because most of the other characters, even Christian, he's an asshole, but... You can tell that he's kind of a smart asshole, you know. Like, yeah. Um, this guy is just kind. Of, I feel the same way. He he could have been removed from this movie, and yeah. I wouldn't have felt anything any different. Yep, yep, yep. But um, I guess another thing that I could say I dislike about it. I mean, it's not really to say dislike, but if I really need to nitpick, is probably like the length of this movie. I think it's about, if not almost three hours, and you know it could have been shorter, but at the same time, I don't think it should have because. It displayed everything that it needed to for you to understand this movie as well. Yeah. I 
I love the length of this movie. Yeah. I, I do agree that they're, like, again, like I said earlier, the lunch and dinner scenes, I feel like they drag on a little bit too much sometimes, especially in, in the first one before the elders um, commit suicide. Like, that scene just goes on and on and on and on. Um, but I love the I love the length. I feel like it gave the movie time to breathe mm-hmm. and time to show you the characters and their motives and when things start going wrong you're like okay well that makes sense because this person's like this or whatever um i think a great a great indication of like quote unquote character motives is um once again to josh he wants to look into the book their like their bible Mm -hmm. um and he goes to take pictures of it even though he was told that he wasn't allowed he ends up getting killed and what the cult does so not to draw attention to it they pretend that the book was stolen yeah you know and now that these characters are missing you know danny and christian are like i guess it kind of makes sense well danny's like okay something's not right but christian's like uh no you know it makes sense because he was trying to steal my thesis and um you know it makes sense that he would take the book and run you know so again it's a horror movie that it's not perfect there are you know some scenes where i'm like Get the fuck out of there. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But I think it does a good enough job patching up loose ends like that. Definitely. Definitely. You know, and um, one of the great scenes that I love at the end is... All right, so uh, just to give a little backstory, Danny becomes what is known as the Mayflower Queen, which is the tradition in the movie where a bunch of women I either get drunk or high or whatever... And they start dancing around this pole. It's kind of like musical chairs without the chairs. So, like strippers? Yeah. <laughs> Not literally on around the pole. More like just kind of like circling around the pole. There we go. You know, like holding hands, spinning around, all that good stuff. And slowly, each of them get tired out or get too high or drunk or whatever. And they start falling over. And the last one standing becomes the Mayflower Queen. So, Danny ultimately wins the contest. She becomes the Mayflower Queen. Um, she later finds out, which we'll get to next. I hope I don't lose track. To uh, she later finds out that her boyfriend was cheating on him, and after that, when she becomes a Mayflower Queen, the end of the tradition is that they sacrifice individuals in this, I guess, barn house that they had there, this yellow barn house. And at the very end, I loved when they asked her, "Which, well, which would you prefer to sacrifice? Would you prefer to sacrifice?" I think it was just some random civilian there mm-hmm. as part of the cult. Or the boyfriend. And it was so perfect that there was no dialogue exchange after, you know, that whole scene. Because typically you want to see, like, oh, wait, what does Danny have to say to him? And Put him just, to the flame. Yeah, it was this <laughs> eye-to-eye contact. I, I know the boyfriend has been in a messed up situation where he was used for something. And he was just completely drugged out in a wheelchair and everything. And, and you just see this, this tense moment, like, wow, is she really going to go there? Yeah. And when she finally goes there, it, like... You, you, it's like it's justified that the same was like yo like you went down a dark path there you know yeah. but really good scene really good scene in my opinion I think that that falls in line thematically with the film yeah all the themes that are intertwined you know this movie is essentially like like John said it is it's a breakup movie and it's just crazy that you feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster with these two. And it's mm-hmm. it's literally how you feel like when you're in a breakup, you know, the ups, the downs, the down downs, and then the realization when you're at the bottom and you're starting to go back up again. Yeah. You know, which is the end scene where she finally burns <laughs> she finally burns her boyfriend and um 
and she smiles, which, let's talk about that ending for a second. Yeah. One of my favorite endings ever. I love how the shot is just a wide shot of the barn, the yellow barn on fire. And as it's falling, it's the camera is like a, there's a transparency between the barn and Danny's face. Mm-hmm. And you can see the barn falling. And I think that's like that's symbolic of her relationship finally coming to an end. Yeah, like letting the past go. Letting kinda. it go. Yeah. And right before the movie cuts to black, she just gives like the slightest smile and mm-hmm. it's done. And just that's a chef kiss to the wind. Yeah, just definitely. Mwah. Yeah. It's amazing. I wish I could know more about the sacrifices. I remember, like, they used the people that the Swedish guy brought in, like, most of the friends, and they put uh, the boyfriend in a bear costume. By the way, there's a bear in the movie. The entire time, I'm like, please don't kill the bear. It's a bear. It's a bear. It's just a bear. It's there, but, you If you know, you know. You know. <laughs> it's you know. a bear. Yep. <laughs> you know, and they use him to dress up the boyfriend as a bear suit. You know, they got some guy or, like, Brant, they had trees coming out of his body yes. and stuff like that. And then two living uh, uh, residents of the, uh, of the cult, too. So... You know, it would have been cool to see more into detail how that goes, but one of the things that I like, thematically speaking, and, and that they did give, like, the the best amount of detail where it's, like, oh, not overboard, but it's not too minimalistic is, like, their sexual life there. Yes. You know, I remember... They're very openly sexual. Yeah, they're very openly sexual, and you see that when, you know, it comes off as a nice scene as, like, oh, they're looking at different scriptures and scrolls and paintings of, like, how their culture lives that turns into, like, this whole messed up situation where, like, if a girl likes a guy, she'll put a little bit of her... her under part blood in the dream and a pube as well so and again the little details because when she when they finally do do the quote unquote love potion to christian Mm -hmm. um because one of the underage girls she's like at an age where she's 16 and according to the cult that's the age where she's allowed to give up her body to a man and in, in in order to do that they have to do like a love potion they put period blood in the drink and pubes in the drink if you notice when they serve them drinks after she does that Christian's drink is a faint color of, like, red. Yeah, like an orangey reddish, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and, you know, it's funny. Again, when I first watched this movie, I didn't notice that. And I wasn't noticing either until you're like, hey, John, do you notice the uh, the color of his drink? And yeah. I saw all of them were yellow, but his, I'm like, oh, that's a representation of the yes. little paintings that we saw, like, 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Perfect. You know? I love the full circle here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, sex in movies or TV shows, um, not for any particular reason other than if it doesn't have anything to do for story, mm-hmm. why show like two people just bang, bang, it's yeah. just weird, you know? Yeah. Um, but then there are certain shows and certain movies that they do have a lot of sexuality and it does justify and it makes sense in the story. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe this is one of those movies. Oh yeah. Um, I think another film like that would be or show would be Game of Thrones, for example. You know, people mm-hmm. complain a lot about the sex in the show, but I'm thinking the show is set in Westeros. Like, Westeros is not a good place. Mm-hmm. It's not a good place for women in particular. You know, mm-hmm. men rule everything out there pretty much. Um, and what, what's another movie that has a lot of sexuality? That I uh, Climax, you haven't seen Climax? I haven't, me. which is probably going to be... One of our next reviews, too. Yeah, you know, these are films that they use sexuality as a platform for story, you know. And I think, for example, Christian having that giant orgy at the end. Oh, my gosh. The Garden of Eden, guys. The Garden of Eden. You know, I think, like, that's a 
I don't want to say perfect representation because it's very odd, but it is a great representation of the sexual tension that him and that girl had throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. And then finally at the end, even though he didn't necessarily willingly have sex with her because he was high as fuck when he was having sex with her, um, it falls in line with what the cult's trying to do to him as a person and trying to drive him or Danny away from him, you know? It wasn't there to just put a heart on to anyone watching. It was like, it was very symbolic. It was very uneasy. You know, you see a bunch of naked women you know, all around this girl just chanting yeah. as they're doing it, trying to... And it's funny as hell, too. It is funny, man. <laughs> Grandma pushing his butt cheeks in. I think it was oh, the girl's mom no. that comes down to Christian and starts, like, humming in unison with him. She's oh. like, ooh. Yeah. She like, starts doing, like, a fucking, like, Disney theme And his song. eyes are just so, like, wide open. The pupils. Oh, man. What an uncomfortable scene. Yeah. Uh, but, again, these are just one of those scenes that you, when you watch it... You're like, wow, this is actually fucking happening. And as he's having sex with those women, at the same exact time, Danny finds out and she is crying and letting out pain. And then the women surrounding her are also crying with her. So there's a really interesting scene where <laughs> Christian is like, ah, ah, and then it switches directly to the women and they're like, ah, ah, like crying, screaming. Um, I think that just falls in line with cinematography. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and and what I loved about that part also is that, like, you know, at first it comes off as really weird, but then when you really get it, you get that, oh, this is their way of being a family. Like, they feel each other's pain, both emotional and physically. Not about the sex, guys. Yeah, not about the 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 sex. Yeah, the crying, the crying. (laughs) Like, when Danny finds out, she starts crying and they all start crying in unison with her the same exact way. And it's funny because even I caught on my first viewing at first, I was like, what is going on? But then I realized like, oh, this is what Danny has been missing the entire time. She doesn't have her family. So this is like what a family would do in a real situation is feel your pain, obviously differently, but yeah, differently. Feel, feel your pain and feel for you. And when they sacrifice um, some of the residents there at the end of the movie and they're screaming in agony while being burned alive, um, all the other people are screaming, agonizing as if they were being burned alive too. So that was a very nice touch to it, you know, yeah. without even having to explain it. Like it, yeah. it it shows you enough where you get as to why they're like that. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really just horrific. Mm-hmm. It's really disturbing, but at the same time, at the same time, that that it is what a family represents. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right, and I think that that's one of the coolest scenes to me, especially at the end when uh, the two guys are burning alive in the barn and how everyone's just freaking out. Um, I have to say about the scene real quick is that this is one of my favorite scenes in a film ever, and the reason I say that is because of the costume design, mm-hmm. um, the fact that they draped. Danny in a dress that looks like a meadow. Oh, yeah. Like she's running, but it looks, it doesn't look like a dress. She looks like she's a flowing piece of earth. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, and then you see them all screaming in the back, and she's crying, and they're crying with her and screaming with the people who are burning. Um, once again, just thematically, you know, this movie just hits that so well every single time, whether it's the desperation of feeling alone or you know, the realization that you have a family that's with you now. I think this film does that so well. Yep. I love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> low-key, the only thing I wish is uh, there's a character in there, you know, I just want to touch base on this because there's the the, the, the the formed-looking character that mm-hmm. I guess was like the cult leader or like their, their god or their Jesus in a sense that 
I kind of wish I kind of saw a little bit more of him, you know, just to see, you know, just to see what he was like. Because I know he was probably in it for like a good five minutes. Not even. Yeah, like three minutes. It would have been interesting to know more about him. I feel that in some ways I agree with you, but in other ways I don't. This is a very contradicting statement, but I think that the reason why I feel that way is because I don't feel like his story would particularly add anything to the movie itself. Mm -hmm. He was... They explained that he was uh, a product of... um, Interbreeding? Uh, Yeah, breeding amongst family. What do you call that again? What happened? (laughs) What do you call that again? Interbreeding? No, not interbreeding. Um... Uh, incest? Incest. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a product of incest, and because his he had he's more simple-minded, his mind is not fogged by, you know, the desires of man, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, I think that's all you needed to yeah. know for that. I He killed a black guy, too. <laughs> he, he, was it him? No, I... No, I wasn't. I maybe. I know he was there in that I, scene. No, he was there, but they never showed who killed him. Yeah, you're right. He had a uh, eyebrow. Okay, he had eyebrows. Here, here we go, guys. Here's a great scene. When uh, Josh is is inside oh, reading no. the Bible, about to take pictures of it, he gets hit on the head by a hammer, and the person who hits him is a man. We don't know who the man is, but apparently, eyebrows. When they killed him, they took off his face and sewed it as a mask. And the killer, it's literally a spitting image of Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, good touch. (laughs) Just way freakier. Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, honestly, I have to say, (laughs) I'm a little biased on this movie. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. And I, I, you know, I'm completely there with you because, again, this is is not your typical horror movie. And I love it because it's still horrific. You know, it's still horrific. It's horrific in the way it needs to be horrific. And... You know, there might be people that don't like the movie, but I feel like at the end of the day, no matter what, you will appreciate what was made out of this, you know? One thing I I have to say about films like Hereditary and Midsummer that I can truly appreciate, I feel that in some ways they have broken new ground in the sense of allowing more art house style Mm -hmm. horror movies dominate, you know, theatrical releases. um, Because... Movies like Mother, for example, you know, and, and Hereditary and Midsummer, The Lighthouse, even. Mm-hmm. These are straight art house movies. Yeah. These are movies that the director has full control and he wants his movie the way he wants his movie. Yeah. I feel like if these movies were released earlier, like in the 2000s, like early 2000s, when the whole remake craze was going on, along mm-hmm. with like the torture porn, like Saw and The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have fared as well. I think that people have gotten tired of the slasher genre in a yeah. sense, and they want something more, more brainy, something that you can yeah. sit and think about. Very you know? ambitious. You're right. Yeah. We we definitely did have this conversation. It's like we're getting at a day and age where we're kind of t- getting tired of the typical blockbusters. Yeah. You know, let's see something that comes from the mind of of a creator and see their vision and the story that they're trying to tell in the way that they're telling it, rather than being controlled by like some studio. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's very, it's a very good representation of seeing some, seeing somebody's creation because what makes a good ambition is that you can tell they're putting their heart and soul into it. You yeah. know, like, like obviously, you know, they're getting bank, but you could tell this is what they love to do and they're trying to show the creation to the audience. Yeah. No tran- no more transmorphers. No more transmorphers, guys. Those are your sticky to, yeah, no, definitely. There's a lot of, there's a whole list of art films, especially the one that you sent me, which is... Forgot what it's called, but you told me there was one coming out soon that we definitely oh, have to go see. Oh my god! 
<laughs> January 29th, guys. Saint Mod will finally be released a full year after it was supposed to be released, or almost a full year. And uh, I hope that it's going to scare the fuck out of John. <laughs> no, man. Oh, we're definitely looking forward to that and definitely looking forward to a review on that, too. Yes, Saint Mod. But uh, I, I have nothing else to add for Midsummer. Yeah, honestly, guys, I, I think that's the gist of it. You know, hopefully one of these days we can have like a whole comment session where if you guys have any questions or theories yourself or kind of input, you can let us know. We can have a discussion there because I would love to see and hear what like different thoughts about this movie because you're honestly the only guy I know that's really seen this movie. What? And gave a, not that you're the only one that's seen it, but seen it and gives a shit about talking about it. Okay. You know, because everybody else is like, have you seen it? Oh, yeah, it was good. What'd you like about it? Oh, yeah. It was, it was nice. It was cool. And then I was like, nah, I don't really fuck with it. So it's it's cool to like be with like-minded people that love to talk about and dissect some of your favorite films. <laughs> yeah, this is this is by far one of my, my favorite movies. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. We are going to start our Instagram page really soon. Bear with us. We're, we're, we're still learning. You know, it, there's a steep learning curve to podcasts. Um, yeah, fun fact, this is our second time recording this, actually. <laughs> yeah, because the first recording was uh, not the best. <laughs> but uh, I, I have high faith that this one will, will sound a lot better. Definitely. Um, we will eventually start a Patreon as well. Uh, we are both broke bitches out here, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, anything to get us better equipment, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and on top of that, you know, we'll be reviewing as much movies as we can. We'll... Try to get these out on the... Well, no. We will get these out on the weekly basis. Um, and I guess we should probably start telling the audience what movie we will review next. Definitely. So the next movie on our review list, if you would like to follow along, is Disney Pixar's Soul. Oh, man. Which is, to me, one of my top five five favorite Disney Pixar movies yeah, John, of all time. John has not stopped talking about yeah, this movie. I'm in love and we'll get to why <laughs> at a later date but guys, thank you so much for supporting us, you know, for being here, listening and uh, yeah you know, hope this turns into something great Well guys, thanks for listening, have a great night and uh, if you haven't seen this movie go, go, go watch it now Go watch right. it right now. Peace guys <laughs> Bye <laughs>